Welcome to episode 27 of the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast, Mindfulness, Emotions, and Horse Training with Kim Daly. Kim Daly is a husband, father, horse trainer, and coach based in Toowoomba, Queensland. Kim has been around horses for most of his life. He's overcome 20 years of anxiety and depression, and the skills Kim learned to heal himself, he now incorporates into his horsemanship. His mission in life is to spread kindness, mindfulness, and understanding to both horse and human. In this episode, we discuss Kim's start with horses from pony club days to training horses full-time. We discuss his big wake-up moments for Kim and how that's changed his horsemanship journey, the importance of energy, vibration, and emotion in training horses. We speak about heart math and horses, mindfulness and meditation. Kim touches on his struggle with depression, anxiety, suicide, and addiction. Kim's acronyms CHUFF and PEP and how he utilizes these with training horses. The power of micro-manifesting and visualization when riding and training horses. We touch on a few of Kim's 18 mantras for life. And we have a big discussion around wind sucking and anxiety. Kim speaks about the fourth F that he thinks should be added to the three Fs that make a happy horse. And plenty of horse and self-development names that have inspired him. And I have so much to look up after this pod. There's just so much information in here that Kim freely gives out. And we also speak about the importance of trusting your gut in horses and life, plus so much more. Kim is a humble, knowledgeable, kind, and intuitive person. When speaking with Kim, it felt like I could say anything and there would just be no judgment. He really has this safe and comfortable energy. I'm honestly surprised that he doesn't already have a larger following on social media. Um, we had a really great chat and I, and I know you're going to love this episode. Welcome to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast, a source for riding and training insights with the goal of helping your horse be a happy, light and willing partner. I'm your host, Amalia Dempsey, a mainstream equestrian rider who discovered natural horsemanship and now I help riders like you achieve connection and communication so you can have more fun and fulfillment whilst prioritizing partnership with your horse. Want to find out my horse training philosophy? Access the free connection and communication mini course at amaliadempsey.com. Now sit back, relax, enjoy the show and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. Welcome Kim Daly to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thanks Amalia. It's been um, a while we've been talking and um, yeah, it's a bit of an honour to um, actually someone to listen to me about my horsemanship. It's an honour to have you on this podcast, Kim. <laughs> and before we clicked record, we were already having some awesome conversations. So I'm really mm. excited to share everything that you've got to tell us today. So let's start with, can you tell us about your horsemanship journey to date, when you got into horses and what has led to where you are today? Okay, I was going to do a really short version when I read this question I thought no I think it's really important to get the full story to get an understanding of where I'm at now so hopefully it's not going to be too boring um I I come from a bit of a line of horsemen um both grandfathers actually one grandfather he actually had a riding school in the 60s and the 70s I think 70s um and he went on to have show horses hacks and um horse of the year actually back in the day and that was when they used to hog manes off horses in in the show ring full lock and all um yeah, yeah. 
you wouldn't think about that now, would you? That would be way that easier. The, yeah, it would be easier, but that's what used to happen. On my other grandfather, um, he he also he also did a lot of breaking, um, starting young horses. Um, he must have been started in the 40s and 50s. He was doing it um, right up to when he passed away in the 80s. Um, he actually, there's some pretty cool stories. He used to love jumping horses as well. And there was some pretty school, um, cool stories of him going to local dances. That must have been in the 40s of him riding home in the dark on horses, throwing his raincoat over barbed wire fences, jumping the fence with the horse, taking his coat and going to the next one so he could get home. So it's pretty awesome sort of cool stuff, I reckon, that, that older sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, so I bought into that lineage of, um, of horsemen. Um, my father, um, he started horses um, later in his life for a living and then on to me. Um, I, I went through the pony club system. I think you were much the same, Amalia, yeah. um, in South Australia. Good old yep. pony club days. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's a really good um, structure to get a little bit of everything and experience a little bit of everything. I'm not sure what SA is, South Australia is like, um, but I know New South Wales is really good for it. Um, I've been back down um, doing clinics in the Hunter Valley and with Pony Club kids and they still it's really good how they sort of um, expose kids to all sorts of things. Um, so yeah, through that Pony Club system and we didn't sort of um, um, concentrate on one particular discipline in Pony Club. Like we did the lot and we tried to be as competitive as we could, I think I was, um, through the sporting mounted games, I think you guys call them. Um, whether it be the show riding classes, um, eventing, camp drafting, did the whole lot. Um, in the pony club, like I had a pony club season, we'd then go do eventing. So fig tree property in Brisbane and Nana Glen in northern New South Wales, we'd do a few of those. Um, but yeah, that was that was a really good basis, I reckon, to get things started on generalized sort of with the horses. Um, so the old man was always starting horses when I was younger. So I got a pretty good exposure to that. Um, and actually, this is pretty cool. Um, well, totally different perspective what I've got now, but when we used to start horses back then uh, and in my grandfather's era, you'd, um, you'd probably maybe do a week of, of driving um, backing that horse because um, I used a lot of the Jeffrey method. And then by the end of that week, you would, I think the best time we had was on that horse, cantering it around in half an hour. And then you'd go do 20 kilometer road ride with another bunch of horses. You wouldn't think about that now, would you? Talk oh, yeah. about flooding. Wow, that's full on. That is full on, but that was how it was done, you know, and you just flooded that horse with so much information. And you know, we weren't reading the stress signals and keep them below thresholds. It was more or less stand still, do your job. Uh, there was still like with that Jeffrey method style of things, it's still it's still serviceable. Like there's still little bits you can still take from that. Um, so yeah, it's still you still had a an overall horse that would participate in things, but emotionally, probably looking back now, wasn't as you know um as mentally sound as what i know i can get one today um we also used to um 
get a lot of uh, ex-thoroughbreds out of the dogger pens and retrain them because um, I don't think we ever paid over $600 for a horse. Um, uh, when I was, well, I think I paid over $1,000, over $600 when I was 21. I think that was my first horse I paid any amount of money for. But before that, getting horses out of the dogger pens, retraining those thoroughbreds into a jumping discipline or venting or dressage or whatever, make a bit of money and then was able to feed the rest of the horses. So um, that was that was really good grounding as well. A lot of different horses. Um, late teens, I got into camp drafting and then stock horse shows, um, which I sort of carried on into my 20s. Um, oh, probably, actually, if we go back a bit, the method that we were using um, in my early teens, it was more... Um, I would love to find this guy's name. My grandfather bought this VHS tape and he actually bought the VHS player to play this video back in the 80s because <laughs> they didn't have one. And if anything I could compare it to, because I still I don't know where the tape is these days. It's been years since I've seen it. But it was a very similar system to, say, Monty Roberts with that join-up system. So that was... That was sort of what we were using later on through my teens um, and I probably used into my 20s. Um, so, yeah, stock horse shows right up to then. And um, I went full-time um, training my horse, training horses for the public in 2015. So um, I'm now 41. And... Um, yeah, that system that I, I started off with using all that collaborative information from all those years um, when I started out, but things have changed massively now. Um, a few, a, some huge wake up moments with uh, learning about myself. So that's how I've got to where I am to my horsemanship now. Um, I think it must have been, I tried to check the dates. Karen said it was early 2019. Um, actually, I'll go back from that. Back from that, I think, um, like I said to you, um, I had some pretty life-changing moments with, I battled with anxiety and depression pretty severely and suicide um, for the last 20 years. And that had already been shaping, learning what I'd learned through my own, through, through trying to self-heal myself. Um, my horsemanship started to change around that 15 anyway, 2015, 16, definitely huge changes. A lot more empathy. Um, and I wanted the horses to be um, content, not just disciplined into, that's your job, do it. I don't really care how you feel like, you know, what you feel like. I wanted them to be happy with the things that I was asking them to do and having, having more of a, a, um, a level playing field in the relationship. Um, and then, like I said, the huge moment was breaking my leg. That was uh, in 2009, early 2019. Um, I reckon that's, that was the massive change that I made in my horsemanship. Um, it was... Looking back, it's easy to look back. Everyone looks back on injuries, don't they? And go, oh, or an incident with a horse and go, oh, that's right. I did this to make the horse do that. And this is exactly the same. Um, I was, my it was ego. 
literally ego. Um, I had a client with a, I think he was just so high, 17 hands, warm blood, seven-year-old, hadn't been started, had never had his feet picked up. Um, and ego was like, yeah, yeah, no worries. I can do that. I, I've, I've worked with some pretty rank horses and no problems. I think we were two weeks in and it was really slow going with him. And I probably wasn't in the, in the zone, what I call the zone. I wasn't completely present at the time. And I went to put a head stall in. So my hand goes over his neck, you know, with the rope head stall, went to put it on. He got a fright and he took off to the side. Um, and my daughter was there and she's seen the whole thing happen. And I was picked up in the air like I was a rag doll, eh? And, and my mindset in as in ego, as in come here, stay with me, hold him, as opposed to letting him go, that swung me around into a steel post and broke, broke both bones in my leg. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So uh, it was ego. It was definitely ego. It's easy to look back now in hindsight. Um, but then laid out there on the ground for an hour before the ambulance got there. Um, ended up with compartment syndrome so that's where like you probably know from your medical background that um yeah starvation of blood um had to go in that night and get a rod put in um but it didn't hurt that was the crazy bit like i rang triple o like the emergency call and i was speaking just like i'm speaking to you but yeah it was it was insane but that huge turning point there was some big changes in in how I had to heal mentally and, 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 and physically after that. Um, sometimes I think you can take those huge moments to make the best changes. Um, and that, that's taken me down a road of, of, well, really understanding my emotions, changing, my, being able to manipulate my mindset, being able to retrain my subconscious and therefore um have my conscious a lot better without it straying so a lot of mindfulness if you want to sum that up um, hopefully that wasn't too long of an answer for that one oh that's great thank you i think that gives us yeah. a really nice background as to how you've ended up where you are now yeah that's incredible yeah. and yes yeah. i was similar growing up in the pony club scene and having like a a mixed bag of things that I was playing with. Like I remember it was novelties one weekend. So that, that week I'd just be working on novelties and then the next week mm. with dressage. So suddenly I'd just be mm. trying to get my horse on the bit <laughs> as mm. a 12 year old. Um, mm. And, but I'm so grateful for that because it was such mm. a broad experience and, you know, sure there's probably better ways you could set up a child for, for training horses eventually, but I'm really grateful for, for Pony Club days. Um, mm. And I think it's awesome that you come from a long line of horsemen. That's really cool. So it's basically yeah. in your blood. Yeah. yeah. Do you think having that um, really broad range in your experience, definitely like with everything made you a better rider, that's for sure, right? 100%, 100%. Yeah. And yeah. I had a pony who, uh, she was sort of the pony that no one else wanted um because she would bolt yeah she she would bolt and um because I was so desperate to ride I was like I'll Mm. ride her and I was a beginner and I just played with her worked with her became friends with her and 
sure I wasn't that skilled, but I made it work because I really loved horses and mm. I'm actually so grateful for that. But then again, I'm like, oh, I wouldn't really recommend a young rider to have a horse that bolts. <laughs> I think, yeah, I don't know whether you come up across this situation, but I think, um, I hate making a judgment on this, but a lot of parents want that horse just to be programmed for everything to happen perfectly every weekend. When having those struggles, the learning that can happen from those struggles, whether it be that bolting pony or that shut down pony that can't get going, the skills that can be learnt from those things is just awesome. You can't replace that, that experience yeah. at all. A hundred percent. And I think yeah. that probably kick-started my addiction to learning about horses because I yeah. bump into problems regularly and be like, oh, how do I solve this? And yeah. mum and dad couldn't really afford to give me too many lessons. So it was kind of yeah. problem solving. But anyway, this podcast is about you. Um, um, I- <laughs> actually, just on that, um, with that, I reckon it's really important and for people to have, um, to have struggles with their horses. I mean, the science behind that too is, with sailing through life without the struggles is just, it's not healthy, actually. You get the dopamine hits from the struggles. Um, I hate, I brag about my son. He doesn't ride now, but he's 16. But he started only riding when when he might've been, uh, he might've been 12. But all he had to ride was was start horse, like young horses that had been started on a saddle for three weeks. The guy could ride, like he can still ride, and I can still put him on a trainer and he'll ride that horse exactly how I like it. And just just because he had the tricky ones. So I think that's a really important thing is to to um to be resilient and stick with those tricky horses because they can show you so much. Absolutely. And kind of be thankful for those struggles and challenges. Oh, yeah. 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 As much as I hate it when I come across a problem and I'm frustrated, I'm like, oh, how do I fix yeah, this? Yeah. A part of me is like, this is good, Amalia. You know, you're about to grow. You're yeah. about to learn something. Like, and I have to remind myself every time now, and that helps to get me out of that place of frustration because I go, this is a good thing. Do you get excited? And I'm not sure whether you get these phone calls or messages when you go to a new place that you've never been to with this new horse. And you think, what's this horse going to show me? Because that's what happens. I get horses turning up. I get excited because what am I going to learn this time? They show me something new every time. Yes. And every horse is so different. It is fascinating. Yeah, Yeah. I love it. And I love how you were talking about your big wake up moments. And you said huge moments make the best changes. Absolutely love that. And you've done lots of work on yourself over the years since that broken leg. Can you tell Mm. us from that? Do you now have a mantra that you like to live by? I've got a lot. Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> actually, um, I've actually at the moment I've got eighteen. Eighteen. Far so, out. You should write a blog post on that or something. <laughs> so I, I seen something come up on social media, and it was um, ten rules for life or something. And I, I agree with some of them, but some of them didn't apply to me. So I thought, well, why not write my own? And I regularly read them. I think it's keeps you in good stead and reminds you of a few things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I reckon it's um, yeah, I'd advise anyone to do it. It's right your your own rules, your own customized rules for for life or mantra that's a good for idea. life. Yeah. 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 Um, so I picked out a few, if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. Um, so 
one-on-one I love is just be humble, kind and compassionate to everything and everyone. That's just a simple one. Um, um, another one is it is what it is. That's just cool. Like, you know, sometimes you just got to say that whether you've gone at end of a session with the horse and things didn't turn out the way you wanted, it is what it is. Yes. Uh, simple as that. I feel like that's such um, an Aussie thing to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, that's a TikTok um, trend for a while. I think, I don't know whether you're on TikTok. Not really. <laughs> I've dabbled with that. Awesome. I haven't committed. <laughs> yeah, it was a trend for a while and, and people have disaster situations and videos and it, have, it is what it is. So, But it's true. Um, I think another one is gratitude is a superpower. Yeah, that's that's a pretty cool one. And one of the ones I'm constantly working at, one of the mantras that I'm constantly working at, live a life free of judgment, free of judgment of others, free of judgment of yourself and free of judgment of your horse. Um, when you get free of judgment, when I can get into that zone, because it's hard, because it's, it's hardwired in to my program, I can't speak for anyone else, but when you get free of judgment in life, Man, the lightness in the feeling of yourself is huge. You feel light and free like nothing else. Um, I think judgment's a funny thing. I, I, I talk about this sometimes to people, and I think I'm judging the horse industry by saying this, but if you went out to dinner and you found another horse person, what's the first thing they say? They say, what do you do with your horses? Oh, gosh, I struggle to answer that one. <laughs> So what my answer is now is I love them. That's my comeback. Yes, I'm stealing that. <laughs> yep. Yep. So that's what I, if you, and if you, and I think I've mentioned this to a few people. So if you had two nine-year-old girls in the, in the, in the classroom and they first meet each other, they don't ask what they do with the horses. They're going to ask the horse's name. They're going to, oh, what color is he? Oh, that's beautiful. So the purity of that, I reckon should be taken on. There's no judgment of that. Yeah. that. It's like, I want to know how beautiful your horse is. And, yeah. and I think when you take that judgment, say, I don't know, let's, let's put us in this scenario of play if we're judging each other. I go, oh, she's one of those dressage riders. And you'd go, oh, he's one of them hip cowboys. <laughs> and automatically there's a judgment as soon as you mention what discipline you're in. Yeah, totally. I think it, that sucks because yeah. automatically I think, the mind closes off to information when that when you get in that zone. Um, so yeah, that that's judgment. I reckon that makes it so light and free. Yeah, cool. And you've got eighteen mantras in total. Yeah, you've left us with a bit of suspense there, but I'm going to send everyone over to your profile because oh. hopefully you're going to do a <laughs> post on it or something, sharing the I've rest. I've only got them written down like in my in my dodgy notebook. So. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, they're just personalized to me. I mean, yeah, there's just, um, that's nice. Well, there's other ones like en energy is wasted dwelling in the past. Like, yes. You know, um, yeah. be conservative of that energy. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, trust the journey. All things happen for a reason. So there's plenty of it. Yeah. 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 I think it's really interesting. You mentioned the question that, you know, oh, what do you do with horses? Do you race? Like, <laughs> Yes, I get that a lot yes. from horsey people. Um, but even yesterday, I was at a Christmas dinner party and there was a few horsey people there. One of them was, um, he's a guy who's ridden all his life, seems pretty traditional in his approach. Um, and he was like, oh, so what do you do? And I was like, 
oh, I've got to come up with an answer that he'd understand in a way. And I was like, oh, I do a bit of horsemanship, a bit of dressage, a bit of jumping. Like I kind of do a bit of everything. And this shocked me. He was like, but you really do it for the connection though, don't you? Oh, nice. And so I had this judgment that, oh, he wants to hear from me that I'm a competitor or something. So he obviously knew a little bit about me. And I was like, Mm. oh, yeah, actually, yeah, that is that is what I do. <laughs> so yeah. have you since you mentioned that you do it for the connection, that just gave me an idea. I had I've had a few moments like this, and it's like it, and I do backflips for days when I get this moment. And it's when you go to a, a client's ha- a horse and house at their property and you're doing a session, and that moment that you see two entities the human and the horse connect for the first time when they've had dramas and I don't know whether it's happened to you but I've had people in tears just from that feeling they get to the chest because that feeling to the chest um is huge and actually I get well yeah get shivery now um that moment it's happened a few times that's you can't beat that yeah yeah I'll often get that in a first lesson it's pretty cool yeah it's nice to open up a human's world like that but also the horses it's special oh it's i think there's this you feel a sense of relief on their behalf you sense feel a sense of relief from the horse that they see each other yes um i don't know it's it's really hard to put that into words that moment that it happens mm. yeah it's special so special love what we do mm. Mm. before you were talking about your wake-up moments and breaking the leg and my next question is, and maybe that was the moment, but what has been your biggest horsemanship or horse training breakthrough to date? There's a few there that I thought of when you when you sent through those questions. And definitely that breaking of the leg was the um, mechanism for it to happen. Um, but I think... Yeah, def- just understanding my emotions. That was, that was the catalyst, but understanding how my emotions work and how that then affects my vibration, how that makes me feel. Because as an Aussie bloke, you know, you program to, to not cry, to sit down, shut up, be quiet, um, don't show it. Um, and you really don't get, if you're not feeling, you don't understand how all that emotion works. Uh, it it really just traps you in a box and it's the same actually it's scary too when you start feeling stuff for the first time man it, it's frightening like the sensations and the feeling and i relate this back to shut down horses and i suppose on that shut down horses sometimes are better left alone um i had this thing when i started down this emotional track is let's free all these shut down horses. Um, but to be honest, for um, their sake and sometimes in the sake of um, their human, um, that human might be might be on a part, a bit of their journey that they're not ready for that to be able to cope with opening horse up that can start feeling stuff. So you might have a horse that's down the trail and and he and he's been good all down the trail and when you start opening a conversation where he has freedom in that conversation to tell he's not tell you he's not happy um he might start shying down the trail and he's never done it or 
or he might start biting at you yeah. when you start putting the saddle on. Sometimes it'll lift in the left in the box, those shut down horses, because it is a scary thing when I started feeling stuff. Proper scary. Yeah. Um, but yeah, understanding those emotions was a big breakthrough. Um the the tapping into the energy side of things has been really, really cool. Um once once I started tapping into that, um, I've got some really cool stories. So it, it was actually a bit frightening um, to start off with as well. So I'm feeling the emotion, feeling the sensations about whether it be anxiety and the sensation. And then I get, I've learned to redirect thoughts to change my mindset. Obviously you've got to be aware of that, that, that emotion, but then to redirect your brain and redirect your thoughts in a certain manner. Um, the, the next stage to that, um, I like, I started getting sensations with my horses that I'm training. I'd go to a, I'd have an anxious horse that would turn up to, to the stables or I'd go see another horse on site and deal with it. And I'd walk away and finish the session. We'd done some cool things. You know, that horse had opened up a little bit, been a little bit more understood. And I'd walk away and go, oh, my God, my neck and my shoulders are just so sore. I'm thinking, oh, you must be, like, a bit stressed about this thing, you know, Kim, you know, about maybe you get tensing up when you're working with these horses. So I went through a stage of, like, um, make sure I meditate, get mindful, total relaxation, make sure I was hydrated. But time after time I worked out what it was I was take empathizing taking on stress so that whatever that horse was doing that scenario that repeats itself I know I think people people are going to think I'm crazy but that happens over and over again so I'm feeling the sensations and if you think back to the science behind this because you have to rationalize this because this was freaking me out had to rationalize it so you look at the science behind behind what I understand I don't really understand quantum physics it sort of gives you a bit of a hint about why this stuff is happening. And if you go down the track of HeartMath, um, the HeartMath Institute of California, you've heard about that, Amalia? No. Okay. So um, if you Google that up, so HeartMath is now proven. Um, HeartMath, there is a device that can measure heart frequency from external of your body. So they can measure your, because your, your heart gives off a vibration. Yeah. Um, that's, I think it's how pacemakers work, isn't it? Or oh, something like that. Anyway, they can measure your, your heart frequency from 2.4, up to 2.4 metres. Guess how far a horse they can measure from? 16 metres. Wow. So wow. You think about that, and if you're tuning to that horse, right, because that's why horses do it, they're tuning to each other in the herd. Say if something gets lifted, they all get lifted. If one sees a threat, they all get lifted. So that makes sense for, for them to tune to each other, doesn't it? Yeah. So if you can open that up when you're working with a horse, which I was doing without knowing, I was changing what was going on with me, with my vibration, and then transferring it through my system into tension. From there, that was the first signs of it. Um, the next bit was was a bit I was got got really muddy the waters got muddy because like I get on I've got on some rank horses over the years and 
when I wasn't feeling the best, this is going to sound crazy, but um, when I was really depressed, you used to get these phone calls from clients saying, yep, I've got my groundwork sorted. All I need is those first two rides done. And I'd go, yeah, no worries. I wouldn't ask about what they'd done. I'd just ride that horse. And I wasn't scared, basically. That's what I'm trying to say. But when I started tapping into this emotional side, I, I remember one horse, he was taking a little bit time, bit of time to get started under saddle. And I side them up to the fence and get on that way slowly. And I keep below thresholds. But I was having this feeling of nervousness, of worry, of fear. I'm going, I don't get scared. I can ride most things, you know. I'm pretty cocky about it. Um, but, you know, why am I scared? I don't. And over and over, I realized it wasn't me, it was him. So now having that feeling, and, and it goes on to then a feeling of frustration. Like I can, you can see it obviously, but there's sometimes horses, they will hide that emotion physically, but still internalize it. I can feel that now. And it's not something exclusive to me. Everyone can do this. So, um, Tapping into that emotional, that energy side of things has been cool. But it's got, it's really muddied things up. It makes things murky, um, as in to understand whether it's me or is it them. Um, I, yeah, it, it's a, but it's such a cool thing. It, it, it's got to be, it makes it probably harder as in, to train a horse for someone, someone and then send it on um, because uh, I've got to keep that in mind that um, that person is probably not going to be as linked in sometimes as I am and is aware of what I'm feeling, my, what my vibration is setting off. Um, so I've got to, leave, got to be a little bit not numb about it, about that internal stuff, but helping through it to understand that if I'm feeling a little off, you know, he's going to be still okay. The horse is going to be okay. Um, I mean, back in the day, that's where when you train horses and it was easy when you chuck that emotional side out because you just go, don't, 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 don't. That you do, you pull the left rein, you pull the right rein. Um, the horse does this, you put the leg on and there was a series of things you could show that customer in that scenario to solve that problem or make that horse do a certain thing. Um when you throw this emotional side in, it, it makes it pretty muddy. Uh, but the outcome, oh, that's the coolest bit. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Might have scared you with that one, Amalia, with that whole line of thought. No, it didn't scare me, but very deep. And when you said, uh, this is not exclusive to me, you know, anyone can do this, mm. I bet our listeners are going, how, how can you tell us how to tap into that? Um, actually that was, well, actually, okay. I'll go into one thing I try to do. It's really hard sometimes to get into it. Um, so there's a thing, have you caught, have you heard a thing called the state of flow, a state of flow? Uh, I forget the name of the guy that wrote the book flow. I think it's called, but I have read that. Okay. Book. So was he an, a Hungarian American psychologist? what's his name and he's got it's a really tricky weird. last name uh yeah me me yeah. yeah 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 that's the one yeah. yes i have so, heard of this flow state yes yeah. so the flow state and you know the benefits of the flow state with dopamine 
getting in that state of flow um, where time, you don't realize time passes. You, you're just as present as you can be. Um, that's, that's, I mean, that's what Buddhism tries to teach you is to be in that absolute zone um, with that state of flow. You're usually doing a task. So I try to get in that state of flow. It's very hard to get in sometimes. Um, that state of flow but I'm working continually to try to get like make it like a tap response like turn it on turn it off turn it on on. Mm -hmm. but um you don't feel like that with horses when you're working with them yeah but I reckon there's degrees to it yeah okay yeah yeah so there's definitely degrees to it like I can yeah that can I don't realize the time's happening but there's that real end state I reckon where you can it's like all the smooth yeah and there's no abrasion to the emotion mm-hmm. it's not abrasive it's flowy through the emotion you mm-hmm. don't feel yeah the highest rate of learning that i get out when it happens with horses is when there's no abrasiveness of feeling there's no frustration in the feeling there's no there's no remorse resentment it's just him and me him and me and that's the optimum but yeah you're right yeah yeah, I feel that generally, but I reckon there's degrees to that state of flow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. Mm. Um, I've, that's been one of my books that you asked me. Kerry Lake, that's an awesome book. So she is an animal communicator. Have you heard of Kerry? No. Kerry Lake's cool. Her cool, book's really crap. cool. Yeah, so Kerry Lake, um, what is her book's name? Oh, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, Listen Like a Horse. Listen Like a Horse. Listen Like a Horse. So it's a good title too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So those those things sort of have been the biggest breakthroughs um, for me. Before that, it was very, you know, regimented programming. It's still, like you'd call it back in the day, what I used to do was natural horsemanship, like, you know, lead rope work, left, right, making movies feet this way or that way. And you don't have to do it in an aggressive way, like as a high energy, you can still do it low. Um, but um, I think tapping into the, the empathetic side, basically, that's the biggest breakthroughs, I think. Yeah. So, but yeah, definitely the leg was the catalyst for all that. Mm. And, and, and anxiety and depression. So yeah, learning that, about anxiety and depression. So definitely yeah. the, the, the whole to get things moving with that so yeah, yeah yeah I feel like we've got a taste of your horsemanship or horse training approach already from what you've said but could you summarize it for us yeah um I try it was this is a really hard question yeah do, do, if you <laughs> ask you've obviously asked yourself the same question and did you find it really difficult yeah, it's like, how do you summarize everything you do with horses in one sentence? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so Amy Skinner, have you heard of Amy Skinner in the States? Yes, yeah. Yes, so she had an awesome post the other day and I stole this from her. I'm a professional experimenter. Did yeah. you see that? I didn't see it, no, but I like yeah. that. That's what she described herself as, a professional experimenter. And I thought that was a great description and if you look at horsemanship, horsemanship's an art, isn't it? So if you if it's an art, um, you've got to be creative through your art. So that's where the experimentation, the creativity in your horsemanship can come. So 
I do a lot of it's that's ongoing. I like to experiment all the time. Um, and I think on this low, low, slow, keeping below threshold, you can really experiment without anything going wrong. If you're in that high zone going above, above thresholds, you probably get yourself into dramas, but keeping below thresholds, you can experiment as much as you like. It's yeah. not, not going to be a drama. Um, I use a lot of mindfulness and meditation with my horses. Um, and I mean, meditation, if you look up the definition of meditation, all it is is focusing on one particular activity or one particular thing at a certain time for a certain and draw being able to draw that focus back to that same thing. That's all meditation is. Um, I use this sort of analogy of like awareness and then you got it awareness of a situation with the horses. So whether it be the saddle, like you've got a saddling ground, which is a lot of the time that I get through, horses will check out of the situation. They'll be cribbing on rails. They'll be looking off at the distance. They'll be looking at anything bar what's happening at that particular time. And that's putting the saddle on because it's easier. It feels better if you check out. And humans are the same. Sometimes ignoring what's going on in your life and looking outside the box and not actually looking at really what's in front of you is easier. Yeah. Um, I then I want to get that, when I get that awareness of that situation, I want to get relaxation through that. And when you can start getting relaxation, I'm imagining the science of chemicals in the brain are happening, um, the whole body, that you're not in that, that um, sympathetic zone. Um, and I find then acceptance just flows on. So I definitely like getting my holy grail is the yawn with everything. I don't, you know, if you look up the research on that, it's pretty sketchy, the research on yawning with horses. But time and time again, that yawn gets me to the next level quick, quick, quick. So I always go, you know, blinky blinks get more frequent, eye changes, skin changes, ear changes, licks changes. I get, you'll see the long lick after the, you've probably seen that, the long lick, and then the yawn happens. Yeah. You can feel the yawn coming I, on. Yeah. Pardon? You can feel the yawn coming on. Like yeah. I'll often, um, I guess, impress my students because I'm like, oh, she's about to yawn. And yeah. then they're like, how did you know that? And I'm like, well, actually, you can kind of feel it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, cool. And I think probably too, um, you're probably not, I don't know whether you're aware or not, but you are reading the physical, but I'm thinking that you're probably reading the vibration as well as much as the physical perhaps because sometimes without knowing sorry to interrupt you but sometimes oh. i'll just have an inkling that they've got an itch somewhere and yeah. i'm like oh i think there's an itch on the left hip or whatever and they'll go scratch yeah. it and the horse is like oh yes thank you and i'm like i don't actually know i, I can't tell you what how i knew that isn't that cool that is pretty cool <laughs> once you start opening your mind to that and self-belief in that yeah. That's really important. Like believe that you can do it. Like tap it, believe it. Mm. Don't doubt yourself in it. It it happens like that. Yeah. So I yeah. Um the other thing I use is an acronym called SHUF. So it's seen, heard, understood, and felt. Um so this goes back to human psychology. This helped me a lot. So you need to be seen. 
um, you need to be understood. Like if you, I'll put the analogy of if you had this friend that did all the talking and never listened to your story, you're going to give up. You're not going to end up telling your story or you, you might get louder sometimes, but you're eventually going to give up if you're not understood and fell. So if you put that into the horse scenario, if a horse isn't feeling seen, heard, understood, and felt, that must be an awful feeling. Yeah. Um, no wonder you get horses internalize emotions a lot and shut down because and give up. Um, and then if you look at the give up thing, imagine how what the repercussions would be with um, a discipline you're doing, like whether it be expressive in your dressage moves or whatever. So shuff, I love it. Um, that's that's uh, an important one I do. Um, I do a lot of liberty. Actually, I do. I make sure every horse gets some sort of liberty that comes to me. So, and I want to get, with this horses I start under saddle, I want to get to the stage of pretty much being able to go in a smaller paddock and do liberty circles in that paddock before I get on. And it's not about, the liberty's not about that shiny skill it's not about the skill and you know that amalia um it's about the focus it's about how you're asking the horse to go left right stop um whether they think they're going to get in trouble for something whether they they're comfortable with you it's not about the activity it's got nothing to do it's how you ask so can you associate with that amalia 100 percent. i was just thinking as you were saying that sometimes i will use liberty almost as a problem solving tool because I'll go oh that's not quite working let me try it at liberty and see what happens and the horse will tell me exactly where I'm going wrong and I'm like oh wow I didn't realize I was doing that thank you let's put the holder back on and I'll I'll I'll, I'll be better now <laughs> I reckon it's truth serum yeah like it tells you the truth um I love I don't get to do it all the times um with starting horses on a saddle, but I do like that first ride to be riderless or, or halterless. Mm -hmm. um, it's generally always halt, like with the halter on first mm -hmm. ride, but um, there's some horses you just can't do it. Like it's just you, that that flight response is too big. So I like to bend them to a stop if you, because you know, you're in no man's land sometimes on those first rides. Yeah. Um, you got to look after yourself as well with the potential. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I don't, it's not about me, it's about them. Um, I don't want to hit threshold and be able to not be able to keep below threshold. Yeah. Um, you know, if you get into that, because you are committed. Once you're on, you're committed. You know, it's not like, you know, yeah. So keeping below threshold. And, and if I did, did get into a scenario where things are going to go, hey, well, I'll just bend or stop a step off as soon as I can and start again. Um, but, yeah, you just know some have just got that innate, higher flight um to go and do something but yeah ultimately i like to um to get that first ride with no nothing on set saddle so yeah yeah um i use other little things um something i'm working on developing at the moment um i like my acronyms called pep so it's positive energy projection so this goes on to what I call micro manifesting and macro manifesting. Wow. So yeah, it's um really important. And thinking back now, um, 
I remember this, the guy that first showed me this, I would have been probably 12 and I was doing writing classes because I used to love my writing classes at shows and stuff. And there's this guy, Gary Weir, Gary Weir back in the day in the 80s and 90s, he was up there. Like he was really cool. For him to even talk to me, it was like, oh. Yeah. He told me to um, next time you have a really good ride, he said, make sure you absorb that feeling of how it all moved around or watch a video of when you last went really, really well and you thought you rode really well. Then play that back in your mind before you do the next ride so you get the feeling of the ride, how it all projected before you even go into, say, your dressage test or whatever. So, so micro-manifest. Actually, that's macro. So that's doing the whole test. So you, you're visualising that test and manifesting they know works or the science behind manifesting now um but the micro manifesting is what i try to do is visualize say you're working on the backup on a horse on the ground visualize and feel that foot going backwards for the first time before you ask for it yeah that's cool when that starts flowing and horses start almost predicting that cue before just before it comes yeah because you've tried to manifest it mm -hmm. um you probably do it too amalia without now do you do any of that manifesting yeah i think it's happened to me before like i'll go oh i just thought about it and it happens but i don't know why yeah. you know and i'm like oh cool. was it anticipation or was i actually doing something inside of me to manifest that <laughs> yeah yeah I um there's a there's a chick um in this a lady in the states Barbara Schulte have you heard of her? I've heard of Barbara Schulte, yeah. Um, she was on um a podcast I was listening to, and she uh, I could really really associate myself with this. She is a cutting horse trainer in the states, growing up grew up cutting cutting horses, and she said she had really well bred horses, and she'd go to compete against other guys with not so well-bred horses and and not so well-trained um, and they beat her, even though hers was really well-trained and she couldn't work out why. And she ended up doing, I forget what the institute she ended up with. She did a lot of, um, it was a sporting, sport coaching, mental coach system mm -hmm. that she, she worked with to develop her own skills. And it's basically manifesting it and having positive projection of how that event's going to go, how that particular um, competition's going to go with a positive outlook. And I could see that when I used to compete, I was self-sabotaging. Like I'd go out going, oh, in a stock horse show, I'd go, oh, he's going to run through his stop. He's not going to roll back nice or he's going to be high in energy. I was like, yeah, I was self-sabotaging my own event because I could train well at home. Yeah. Come to the event, anxiety hit was one, and then I'd sabotage myself mm. with all those negative thoughts. Yeah. Can you associate with that? Totally. And I was just thinking about that actually, because sometimes, you know, in, especially in dressage, if you're struggling with a certain movement, sometimes I go, okay, can I actually experience this in my mind going smoothly? Because if I can't do that, how am I going to do it in the physical form? Yeah. And it's got to be like, 
every time you imagine it, it's there. You don't have any little doubt that it's not going to go the way you plan because if that doubt's there, I feel like the horse can feel that and you're, oh. you're manifesting that result and horses are just so in tune with that. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think there's a whole thing in that where I reckon that's just not explored enough, this manifesting in writing. I reckon I used to do it. Actually, another guy showed me that through when I was eventing with um, the, the cross-country course was manifest your ride. And I didn't realise what it was at the time, but essentially that what was happening. Take that line, you know, do that. Um, but, yeah, self-sabotage through competition, my goodness. That's what was happening there. Um, the actually, and that's sort of the summing up of, well, it wasn't really a sum up, but it was a bit of an expansion yeah. of my training approach. <laughs> but, but there's also um, something I, I keep in mind, and it's a good human analogy about why the stuff I, I, I don't like speaking for it. I think the stuff that you do and I do is similar I think hopefully it is. I'm not speaking for you but this um and why it works and it works with humans as well there's a guy called Parsi Solberg um I listened to a podcast of his and he's um comes from Finland and Finland topped the education system um years ago like they lead the world in education the reasons why they lead the world is not going to be surprised at what I'm going to say to you they started to make, well, the one they started to make teachers more of an exclusive job, but teachers weren't selected on their academia. They weren't selected because they were super smart. They were selected because they were able to make connections and form relationships easy. That was one of the huge things. The other thing they then followed, and you're going to, hopefully you're going to relate to horses, they made sure there was play yeah. in learning. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing was passion. So they taught kids, don't relate what you learn at school to a job that you think you're going to get. Have a passion for something and put the learning around the passion. Mm -hmm. So then you can apply all those things, I reckon, to the horse training. So that's what I try to do. Yeah. I feel like any job, really, because most jobs usually are working with people in some capacity, your ability to do that job well depends on your ability to make connections with other people. I mean, I know in my work as a physio, that is so important, you know, like techniques and your treatment approach aside, if you don't have a connection with that patient, yeah. you're probably not going to get a, a good result for them. No, definitely. Definitely. It's, it's something to look at. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, yeah that's my training approach in a lot of words. Cool. Love it. Um, let's move on to the next question, which is what do you think makes a happy horse? Um, yeah, I had to think about this. And actually, I'd never heard until I started listening to your podcast, which is I really, really have learned a lot from your podcast. Um, I definitely agree with the three Fs. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I learned. And and yeah, 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 definitely. But I also think there's a fourth one. There's a fourth F and um, I, and it's feeling. So, and the feeling of being at peace, the feeling of connection and the feeling without fear. Um, I think you could probably have the other three Fs, um, freedom, forage and friends, but still not be at peace and content. And I see this um, with, well, 
with horses that win suck. Um, I've got one at the moment. Oh, I've actually got two, one of mine and one's in training. And they can have all those three and they can still be not at peace. And essentially they're not at peace when they're wind sucking. Uh, they're getting a dopamine hit. It's, it's, a, it's an addiction. It's like any addiction. Um, and yeah, feeling at peace and, and connection, I think is really important for, yeah. for happiness. Yeah, I like that fourth F. Very cool. Yeah. Mm. I've got mm. a wind sucker, actually. He's retired. Um, and he has some medical conditions. And I wonder whether sometimes, you know, I've gone through phases of putting a collar on and then taking it off because I feel like it's a coping mechanism and then putting it back on because he has actually colics before. Um, but he's in good condition. But I think it's a coping mechanism for him for his pain. Yep. Um, and yep. He's probably not sound enough to really do a whole lot with. Um, I think I've done as much as I can to help him with his anxiety around humans. Mm. So, yeah, I, I've heard different things on wind sucking. You know, some people say that uh, other horses can learn it, but my other two horses have not learned to wind suck from him, even though he's they're, they're paddocks with him all the time. Yeah. Uh, definitely, um, that's out. That's that's been disproven now. Yeah, and he's got friends and forage and freedoms yeah. so he's had he's got those basic needs satisfied but perhaps yeah, yeah perhaps it's the pain that's keeping him wind sucking i definitely agree with you i think it's probably um it's very customized to how that horse feels and what that horse is going through i'm assuming thoroughbred yes he's thoroughbred yeah i think it, i think the rates there's only like two percent of the rest of the horse population outside thoroughbreds that wind suck yeah so it's huge. I forget what the stats were, but it's very close to thoroughbreds being pretty much the only ones. Mm. Um, I've I'm down to about fifty percent with Andy. Like it's it's probably reduced by an easy fifty percent, um, yeah. purely through connect. His mindfulness and he he just he yawns the most I've ever seen any horse yawns on our sessions. Yeah. If I don't keep up the sessions, his wind sucking goes up. Oh wow! Yeah um his wind sucking tendencies go up well they originally actually they were worse he was having a lot of trouble with herd envy so other geldings would turn up to the property and his mares that he goes in the paddock with he'd be worried about the other geldings being close he's over that now so that's that we've got over that little hurdle but there's a series of things he'll use as a coping mechanism yeah. um to wind suck uh, the other guy that turned up a month ago um, I was really excited to get another wind sucker. Mm -hmm. That sounds really weird, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Most people are like, I, don't bring me a wind sucker. Yeah. <laughs> I be find the behaviour fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's only, at the, after the first week, I took the collar off. Mm -hmm. And he's only had one day I put the collar back on. That's how that meditation that comes in, He he's liking it. And he hasn't fully let go yet. Like he's still holding the motion yeah. uh, to me and he's still got a ways to go to let go of all that, but he's a lot better. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's fascinating that behaviour. Yeah, it really is. And sometimes I wonder as well when it's such an ingrained habit and addiction, whether even if you do address those anxieties, whether it still becomes a habit. And the reason why I mention that is because um, someone I know is a smoker and he tells me that he does that because he's stressed, right? But then we were on holiday 
where there was no stress he continued to smoke and I was like but I thought you did the smoking for stress like we're on holidays aren't you relaxed and he was sort of like, oh, yeah, I don't really know. And I'm just like, hmm, that is interesting. I wonder if that's related to wind sucking. And sorry. just like, sorry, but. No, no, you're right, sorry. <laughs> and just like there are triggers for smoking in humans, you know, like have a coffee and a cigarette. I've noticed with my horse, Oscar, as soon as he has something sweet, which perhaps was related to him having grain as a racehorse and then cribbing like in his stable or whatever, as soon as he has something sweet, he's straight to the post. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I find associations like that as well. Not like that one you just, but that just makes so much sense. That feeling of, of one thing to the other is so important. Um, yeah, I can really empathise with that whole addiction thing because I had trouble with um, prescription painkillers and stuff being addicted to them when I didn't realise. And I now that I've learned about addiction through um, there's uh, one, one guy, Gabor Mate. Uh, it's called The Wisdom of Trauma. Now, that's a cool documentary on YouTube. Um, look that one up, uh, especially on, on from a medical background. It's really interesting. But, yeah, addictions come from trauma and their coping mechanisms. That's all they are. And I look at it too. It's you really need to train the brain to be mindful because social media is a a big addiction these days i mean like to grab you you feel sometimes when oh, i'll just grab my phone and have a look and then you go no i'm trying to stay off my phone it can be hard to stay off your phone um and then to go wow let's just be now with present with my thoughts it's harder work to do that to start off with yeah so imagine that for the horse with the wind sucking like i think it's just um yeah training that brain to get mindful in times of stress or you know, like if smoke a friend, like, you know, it's just sometimes you just can't, that line of thought of smoking or whatever, it's just got to be that only and nothing else. The blinkers go on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting you mentioned the social media because I'm hyper aware of that. And apologies to all my horse friends on Instagram because you probably haven't seen me liking or engaging in your posts because I'm very protective of my time and I was very conscious of this addiction. You know, even if I had a break at work, I'd be checking, like opening my drawer, checking my phone, and I'm like, what am I doing? I'm spending my life on a screen. This needs to change. But it's a dopamine hit. Yeah. That's what you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's a dopamine hit. That's um, The Social Dilemma. That was a documentary. Yeah, I watched that. Yeah, very Pretty cool. Pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And eye-opening so, and confronting. <laughs> oh, yes. Mm. Yes. So, yeah, that's, um, yeah, it's a funny thing, that wind-sucking. And, and we've all got addictions. Like, and yeah. if you say... you be... Minus horses. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Somewhat, yeah, well, a healthier addiction compared to others. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Um, we started on happy horses and ended up in addiction and wind sucking. And yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> I love the tangents we're going on, though. It's great. Um, I love this next question. Can you tell us what is something you believe is true that a lot of horse people disagree with? Um, I think it's changing a lot. Um, but my main one is that horses' emotion is just as complex and sophisticated as ours. Mm. They're, they're emotional sentient beings that just they feel everything that we feel but I think you can get uh, that probably goes against the animal behaviors like they don't want to am I right in saying that 
Yeah, the anthropomorphizing, yeah. Yeah, they don't like that. But I think from my spiritual perspective, that's what I sit well with. Mm. Um, now, you could probably take that the wrong way. And I don't, I don't like, I think we, I mentioned this before the podcast, mm. everyone's perception of reality is different. And the horse's perception of reality is different. We can't ever be totally knowing what anyone, any person feels and how you feel and how you interact. You, you can try to empathize with it, but you can never feel exactly how they're feeling because their programming, their life experience has been different. And same with the horse. We can empathize with the horse, but I don't think we can actually be, I exactly know what you're feeling because it's going to be different. Yeah. Um, but all I can say is I think if people understand that they totally, and the, the more I, you open your mind to that, the more I see it, mm. that those emotions are super complex. Yeah. Um, don't, the, the best thing about horses, they don't judge you. That's that's probably one thing I can pick up on is there's no judgment of you. Yeah. It all is what reasons. it is. It is what it is. It is. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and they are generally more present than us. I think humans are sort of off on the next thing or the last thing very easily as opposed to being present. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was my, my main one I, I disagree with is they're just they're complex emotional creatures that yeah. can feel things. Um, I often think about this with, um, with the separation of relationships, so with horses. And you know how I get a lot with horses I start and I'll say, oh, that, that breed of horse is hard to start under saddle or that, you know, whatever, that, that narrowing it down to that. I, I'm a bit of, a bit of a believer that how that horse was nurtured, not the actual breeding, the, the DNA makeup, but how that horse was nurtured from its mother has way more to do with how that horse is emotionally than the breeding did. Yeah. Um, and that horse is going to change emotionally of how that experience was. And then you go, say they form huge connections and huge bonds one-to-one, -one, and then they're off from the farm, they got bred on to someone else's life, and they, they hook up with another friend, another horse, and that relationship probably never going to be the same as the one they really hooked on or whatever. Yeah. Or vice versa, they could find a friend that's, but you put us in that situation, imagine that. Like we separated from family or something at that young age. Right. Traumatic, I reckon. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think about that a bit. And that's probably why I wouldn't really want to breed my own horse at, at this point in time. And I, I do think it would be good if people had a really good connection with the mare that they breed from. You know, because I think a lot of people go, oh, you know, the horse is only three, let's put it in fault. And they haven't really built, they haven't spent time with that horse yet. They don't really have a connection with it. And then they go breed from it. And then that foal is just as skeptical, just as worried about humans because that's what the mum is teaching it. So, yeah. Yeah, we're going to open a whole other kettle of fish there. But <laughs> that's, that's that's a huge one, mate. I, I, I'm a believer in that. I, the, more I, the more I look into it, the more I see with the horses that come through and, I'm in a privileged position where I get so many and it's so cool that they all come through and they all have something different, but it's also so interesting to go, right, where did that horse come from? Mm. And you learn so much from 
prior life and, and mm -hmm. then put it into a little thing. It's, it's yeah, really interesting. But and yeah. the other thing, I don't know if you think this too, I don't really take a lot of horses in for training, but recently I have. And I really empathise with that horse because I go, he was so happy in his herd at his home, which was still relatively new. He, would, he was only there for 12 months. And now I'm going to take him out of his herd into a new herd and with different training, a different schedule, a different environment, mm -hmm. that's going to be stressful for that horse. Like even yep. if he's, you know, a good trooper and, you know, yep. seems to from the outside cope with it, there's still yep. going to be something that's going on on the inside for that horse. Oh, no doubt, mate. Exactly. I love that you brought that up. That's so true. And well, that's the way I feel as well. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to then accommodate that in the scenario that I have. Like, yeah. I don't want to, I'd love to chuck them all in a herd like customers' horses, but the risk of a client horse being there under training and getting hurt, it's just too high when you're throwing her, you know, new horses all the time. Yeah. So if I have it in a situation where they are close all the time with other horses side by side in, you know, trying to get that forage, the freedom. Yeah and the friends but you're right coming out of one scenario into the next and then back again yeah, yeah wow yeah full on what horses go through for us <laughs> that's why i love what um what you do with um your mini courses and stuff getting people to do it themselves and i'm yes. really trying to encourage people to do that um, I'm probably doing myself out of business, uh, but I'm trying to go more coaching, which I still do. Yeah. But what you do, I think it's really important for people to learn. And it's like, it's way more fun. They get to see they experience it. Exactly. And I think we'll always have a, a business, if you want to say, for people who start horses under saddle, because I do think that is a pretty specialised area and you need to be pretty skilled and knowledgeable to do that successfully. Um, but I do honestly believe everyone needs to learn this stuff themselves with their own horse, because it's not a case of me teaching your horse or you teaching the horse. And then we're good for life. It's that person needs to make changes to have that connection that they really want with their horse and to have that deeper understanding yeah. but you can't skip that. You have to learn that yourself. Yeah, no idea absolutely true yeah yes 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 and yes yeah because i i love working with horses and often i've gone oh maybe i'll just take horses on for training um and then i'll spend all my days with horses but then i go you know future pace and i'm like oh well, actually i don't know if that's going to help because then when i return the horse they might have the same problems or uh have worse treatment or whatever mm -hmm. whatever happens after me i can't control so if i can kind of control what the human is doing through teaching them, then that mm. horse hopefully has a better life forever. That's my mm. theory anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I definitely, like back in the day, you'd be the fix-it guy through mm -hmm. training. Like that's, and that's easy. Like the fix-it guy is good. And you can look impressive too. I, I didn't realise I was fixing a lot of the things I caused and it looks impressive. But <laughs> uh, it's... It is definitely, I try to integrate a lot more client course now. Like we spend so much more time hopefully doing that. Um, cool. But yeah, it's it's a tricky balance. I definitely want to train less horses and get more on coaching. Um, but it's easy for me to, you might 
I, what you do is really cool. I admire what you do because your your website and your mark your mini courses are so good. And I can't imagine how much work goes in, but it's easy for me to just keep on taking trainers. Yeah. And horses to train because it's just easy and get in the routine of doing that. Yeah. But overall, it's a good thing to do what you do. That's for sure. Thank you. Maybe you should get on board. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> on I should. Go <laughs> one day, one day. It'd be cool even like just throwing ideas out there when you train a horse. You have like, I'm sure you do transition kind of lessons, but yeah. then like send them away with a course to support them with their first like foundational ride. That's what we have integrated now. Yeah. Cool. Mm. yeah, yeah, It's yeah. just getting, I think the biggest drama, I think it's time with people. Like yeah. people are so busy these days with work and things and to spend as much time as I do with horses, like, mm. and you know what it's like, if you're waiting, keep them below thresholds for one and then waiting for emotional letdowns, mm. man, some days you've got nothing done. You spend an hour with that horse. Well, you yeah. think you've got nothing done physically, yeah. but emotionally you've got there, but who's got an hour a day, I know. you know, for clients and I think that's what sometimes it's hard for people then to go on sometimes is to keep consistent you know a couple of times a week with your sessions for that hour and then then that I think it must get frustrating too for them to then um and I really empathize with this they just want to get out and compete or I just want to go on a trial ride and, and just experience it it yeah. must be really frustrating when there's mm. little things they've got to work to to get to that next stage where they want to. So it must be yeah. must be hard as well. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. And I think you can, because I'm hyper aware of how my horses feel. And, you know, some days I'd say I probably do go over a threshold sometimes and then it's never... Oh, we all do. Right? Be kind to yourself. We all do. Yeah, and then I reflect on it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I really probably should have spent the time you know, that first point where they showed me they were worried, but I just kept on going. Um, so, yeah, and then I think in a competition environment or even at the forest or beach or whatever, there there is going to be lots of opportunity for that horse to go over threshold. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's impossible to, to say that you never go over threshold. It's mm. just impossible to say that. Yeah. Um, you have to be some sort of absolute whiz. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's um I think I think it's being when you do do it, and this is what I try to do is be kind to myself. I think, okay, yeah, I, you know you're feeling you feel really bad when you do when that does happen, like you said. Yeah. When you do go over threshold, like, oh that poor horse or whatever. But I think being kind to yourself and go, wow, amazing. I recognize that I went over threshold. That's the cool thing. Yeah. So um draw on that okay now how are we going to change it because you yeah. could really um just dwell mm. on that I think sometimes yeah for sure yeah I'd love to know from you if you could have dinner with any three horse people dead or alive who would it be and why and what would you ask them um Bill Key have you heard no. of Bill Key you're, you're coming out with heaps of names today. <laughs> well, you come out with heaps of names when I listen to different episodes that I've never heard of and yeah. I research. Um, so have you heard of the story of Jim Key, the horse? No. So jump on YouTube and look okay. up Jim, Jim Key. It is the coolest story. They say it will become a movie eventually. Yeah. So they say Jim Key was the smartest horse that ever lived. Um, he was... So Bill Key trained 
Jim Key. Um, Bill Key is, uh, he was a uh, African-American. Um, he was adopted by some wealthy people and he just had a knack for horses. And he ended up, this was through the Civil War, American Civil War, this is his time. And he ended up later in life getting his horse that was bred to race, but wasn't fast enough, um, Jim Key. And Jim Key actually toured the country and he was so clever that he had so many people down. He actually went against, he could spell, he could give change. So he could work out change from a cash register. He actually went in a spelling bee against sixth graders and could spell just as well and as quick as sixth graders this horse could. So mind blowing. And then there was other stuff like, he was actually, he had, and this goes back to the emotion of horses. They know that he actually had a sense of humor, this horse as well. Like he was, when there were skeptics, they put journalists in there and um, Jim would do some sort of, funny trick with them to put them off or whatever it, it's an amazing story check it out so bill key i'd love to know and apparently he used to sleep with his horse like in the stable so that's one guy um kelly wilson from new zealand uh purely because she's traveled the world seeing so many different types of wild horses uh and, and getting that close with her photography and then observing all that behaviour, man, she, I reckon she would have so much info about horse herd behaviour that then I could really draw on. Um, yeah, that, she's cool. Uh, and, and she's, you know, she's almost on that freedom-based training line. I love that, that freedom-based training. So, yeah, Kelly Wilson. And then, of course, Heath Harris. Have you heard of Heath Harris? No. So, Heath, Heath Harris. Um, Heath's awesome. So he did, he was the trainer in Farlap, the movie, Racing oh, yeah. Stripes. Yeah. Okay. So Heath did a lot of that. He does a lot of, um, actually a friend of mine, Scott Finlayson, he's a um, great liberty trainer as well. Mm. He flicked me a video the other day of Heath with his, um, he does a lot of um, thoroughbred stuff now. So he works with Racing Australia, I think it is. Oh, cool. And some of the liberty stuff he can do with them. Um, actually, I think, Early on, the Double Dan boys spent a bit of time with Heath Harris. Yeah, and I'm nice. pretty sure Heath Harris had a lot to do with their name, even Double Dan, if I remember correctly. There you go. So Heath Harris is definitely one I'd like to pick his brain. Love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. Have to, there's so many things I need to look up after this podcast episode. <laughs> good day. Spreading the word of good horsemanship. Hopefully. So what are you continuing to learn about horses? What are you currently studying? um i'm a real i don't particularly i'm not a big reader like i've never read really well well i can read well yeah. but i don't read a lot yeah um i love podcasts mm -hmm. so i'm a bit of a podcast you know if i can learn something but i don't like i love horses that come in they'll teach me anything like i've said that before but if i have trouble i love going if I, if I hit a wall and don't know where to go with things, I like to go right, or if I see a concept, I don't like look at a video and look at the, the details of that video. I want the concept, the perspective, and then I want to go try it myself and learn and maybe come up with a different spin on it or not to try to reinvent the wheel on it, but I think you can learn 
so much more yourself and come up with your own style if you just start up with the perspective and just the thought yeah. uh, i think that's that's what i try to do um i i follow a lot of people like i think mainly my own stuff like working on myself emotionally that helps me so much with the horses like so i, I like um joe dispenza um he's he's a bit of a guru in the whole manifesting world and consciousness and subconsciousness uh kelsey acres is another one i follow um she's pretty cool with her manifestation um and mindfulness stuff um but yeah i do follow other horsemen like i love like warwick schiller's um been a pretty big inspiration with a lot of my stuff um and i like his journey on podcast that's awesome like that's yeah. one to follow mate um for anyone out there that's that's got some really cool people in it um and I'll, i can really associate with warwick as in his journey a little bit too and an Aussie mm. bloke and all that so that's why i yeah. really fit into that a little bit so mm. um yeah that's that's where i where i try to learn from but everyone's got something to offer that's sort of if you keep that open mind everyone from actually i love people i don't know whether you can associate with this um that have never been with horses before at the age of i don't know 18 or i don't know whatever age and they have no predisposition or programming from what you can get when you start out a bit younger with horses those people have such an open mind and i i really i like that and I, hopefully i can stay in that same mindset as them yeah so that reminds me of two people. The first is my farrier. So he uh, he was never really involved in horses, just became a farrier because I don't know why, but he just did. And he just has this natural energy around horses. They seem to really like him. And uh, he doesn't, he knows a lot about horses now, but he just seems to know what to do in terms of mm. it's a difficult horse to shoe or to pick up their feet. He's pretty calm and relaxed and he doesn't uh, believe in punishing horses or being, you know, really firm with them because he he just thinks that they're, you know, they're not comfortable with their feet being lifted up or whatever it might be. So it reminds me of him when you were talking about that. And the second one is my non-horsey husband who I've interviewed on the podcast. <laughs> that was fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> because he just has the best training advice. Like yep. it's just absolute common sense. And I think what it does is it just, gets me out of that headspace of overanalyzing and oh. with those layers of stuff that I've learned, sometimes that can be a burden and you're not seeing yeah. things clearly. So sometimes yeah. I'll ask the non-horsey husband for advice and it's surprisingly good. <laughs> I think that outside perspective, and I've said to you before in messages, my, my wife is the same. She's non-horsey and it's great to hear her perspective. And it's funny, I'll come home and oh that horse didn't go so well this afternoon i had to really work hard on the saddle to to work through some some emotions and she said well how much groundwork did you do kim <laughs> i like that That's so and good. she'll be right yeah so, so, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i just realized i missed out a question on the list so hopefully i'm not just going to spring this on you but before you were talking about um when we're talking about happy horses the feeling of peace connection and without fear hmm. now 
on the podcast, you may have heard me talking about positive versus negative reinforcement because there seems to be a little bit of a debate around which one is better or whatever. Mm. Um, I wondered if you had any perspective on that. Um, yeah, actually, I um, it's only some, something's come to light with knowing that it had tags. I didn't know it had tags and probably till a couple of years ago that there was such thing as positive and negative and it was all just that's the way things worked for me because I that's all I knew because I'm in my little bubble sometimes I think and I don't yeah I think um th there's there's all of it's good I think uh I love using treats nowadays and and I was the anti anti trick guy like no that's cheating yeah that's like cheating uh I think you can get in, in traps with positive reinforcement. Um, I think you can do that treat reward thing where the horse isn't completely aware and dealing with his emotions. I think, I think they can almost check out of the actual awareness into the treat, if that makes sense, and not be totally immersed with, with the activity or, or whatever. Um, I like... Mustang Maddie's approach where she calls it cookie on top. Um, the treat is. So um, that positive. Um, I'll use treats as well to stimulate a response. So when I get one that's internalizing a situation and it mightn't be right to move, just sometimes you don't want that, you know, that shutdown look in the eye and they're just processing, but they're not with it either. So I'll use a treat to, to stimulate that. And sometimes that can stimulate the response to get the desired result. Yeah. Um, I don't use treats for everything. I've, I have struggled with horses coming to me that are being clicker trained before under saddle. And then they just get expectation of treats. And that obviously can be from how that horse has been clicker trained. Obviously how you do things is very important. And narrowing down to say that's this or that's not very good either. Yeah. Um, I definitely use pressure on release. Um, that, that's, that's for sure. Um, it's very different how I used it years ago. Yeah. Uh, not that I ever used to punish horses or really get up horses, but uh, the way I use that now, I use it very empathetically. And it's, I do a thing called negotiating the no. So negotiating the no, and it, it's, I'll customize to what that horse is going to do later in life or whether it's going to a client, whether it's my horse. And I, the note negotiating the no is just like, I see that you're worried about that. Can we just do this little bit and then we'll go do something you like? Yeah. So negotiate the no. And that could be taking into all sorts of things. So uh, this morning, Andy's, um, my thoroughbred, we're working on our separation anxiety. Um, so he's by himself up in the arena and he wanted to go and I'm working on the freedom based thing with him. So where he has a lot of free choice in a lot of stuff we do, whether it is sitting down the, on the sit down bag or, or the lie down, that's all been done in, under his discretion, if you want to call it that. But this morning he went, he wanted to go to a certain point of the arena. I said, well, we can go there, but we'll just get this nice little curve first and then we'll go there. Yeah. So negotiate the no. Yeah. Sorry. And it's like almost a little bit tip the tap sort of thing. Like, yeah, 
we're going to work on what I want and then you get what you want. Like, <laughs> yeah. I like it. It's almost like a, a husband-wife relationship, yeah. I like. Compromise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you compromise. You, and and the, the feedback I get from that is a lot of willingness from Andy. Um, the other thing is my huge one I use for my positive reinforcement um, is my own body. So, um, and saying, good boy, good boy, good boy, getting excited and I'll get that energy up. Good boy, if it's right, really fantastic and energy right down. Yeah. Um, that's, that one for Andy's huge because he's, he will, he's not, he does like the odd trip, but not really. Treats on his go-to, yeah. but he gets excited with that. Mm. when you start interacting big time or good boy and the scratches and it gets so excited and i'll use that with all of them uh that that's positive projection and that positive energy if you go back to the heart math um that's i reckon i get huge results from that positive getting excited or and you have to like um keep a tap on that and customize that to each horse because some horses don't like that huge excitement yeah. Of, that you'll give back. But I think, um, I know myself, like if you, I know it's a little bit of external validation, but it's nice to get recognized for something that you do sometimes and get a pat on the back. Pat on the back. Yeah. Um, how good does that feel? And you imagine what's happening chemically with that horse if he's getting that response and making an association with you be saying good boy and then relief. Like I'm imagining chemicals going on the brain, they're going to make relaxation associations between the good boy the pats mm. if it's done at the right times um to those scenarios um yeah. i know i can i do a lot of it's going to sound weird i do a lot of nickering so yeah. i go <laughs> good boy yeah 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 okay <laughs> so if you <laughs> time right. that right and keep consistent of that at your training if you're almost i've used it say if i'm starting my fly changes for the first time later on if i've done that right back on the ground stuff and they've nearly got it, but not quite. And you go, oh, and yeah. they nearly get it. That gives them encouragement to do it more. Yes. It's, it's, I love that. Yeah. As in positive reinforcement. So that's, that's a great one I love to use. Yeah. And they can so feel when you're happy with something that they've done. And I kind of relate it back to, you know, if you're in an exercise class um, and you're working hard and, you know, it's not always fun doing something physically difficult right? And the instructor singles you out and is like, Amalia, awesome work. You're doing great. Keep going. I'm just like, okay, cool. Like she's noticed I'm doing a good job. I'm going to push through yeah. like, and I feel yeah. good about what I'm doing yeah. because, yeah. you know, some, some uh, disciplines, I guess, are physically demanding on the horse. Yeah. So even when it's physically demanding, if you can just say to your horse, like, yes, good, keep going. You know, I can feel that you're trying hard. This is amazing. It makes it fun for them. For sure. No doubt. That's great analogy, actually. Great analogy. That's perfect. It's um, yeah, and I can associate that with, with that as well. It's it feels good. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely there'd definitely be something happening chemically in that with the horse or, or ourselves. Definitely. Mm. Mm. I'd love to know from you, Kim, what is your ultimate goal with horses? Um so actually. What I've heard one of yours, and I wouldn't probably go to the extent of your Grand Prix bridleless, saddleless, um, tackless, 
but I still wouldn't mind getting some manoeuvres in. As a Western-style rider, I still want to get a bit of a passage and yeah, pirouette cool. going on. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it's probably not too much different than our spins and rollbacks sometimes. Um, yeah. They're similar in probably how you go about it, but there is I do want to achieve that, and I think I have got a horse that I probably go down that road with. Um, definitely want to get a bit of cutting done. Um, it's always a bit of a kid dream. I wanted it to be a bit of cutting. Definitely want to run a camp draft bridleless. Yeah, I haven't seen haven't seen anyone do that yet. Yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't mind getting to there one day. Um, um, I reckon my friend Sophie Stormland can do it though. Shout out to Sophie. Yeah. Have you listened yeah. to the podcast? Yeah, well, she's, <laughs> yeah. She's um she's got some stuff going on with her. I'll follow her on Instagram. And she's um she's very clever very yeah. clever she's so young yeah. as well yeah that's you, you think i'm going i'm going my god these kids can do so much with their horses these days and i'm like 41 and i'm going my god there's so much catching up to do yeah <laughs> it's like we're running out of time yeah, <laughs> they say yeah it takes that, multiple lifetimes to get good with horses <laughs> yeah yeah i mean but that's the great thing the journey like you know if you get to the the destination too quick it's like what now yeah exactly yeah it's a never-ending um, journey actually i did have a really cool one because i had to think back when you said goals like i don't i'm not that really goal oriented guy i like really approaching life day to day now um because yeah. I, I think i naturally try to get things done anyway mm-hmm. but i thought back to when i was a kid and goals i had it as kid. one was cutting but this is going to sound really weird but one of my goals was as a kid when i was like seven or eight was to become telepathic with horses that was my superpower I wanted. That was my goal in life. Doing that though, Kim. <laughs> Pardon? You started doing that with your micro manifesting and yeah. <laughs> so that was my goal as a kid to be telepathic and to all animals because it'd be really cool to telepathic to dogs and horses as well. Yeah. So you still chasing that? Or, uh, I haven't really thought about it until okay. you those <laughs> questions, and I, I thought, oh, that's the end of that when I was a kid. Yeah. No. I just like, if I could communicate as clearly as possible, as a higher level as possible, that's what my goal is, just to communicate with, with them and hopefully be on the same level. Yeah. So hopefully awesome. able to do it. Yeah, yeah. And what is the one message you would like our listeners to know or hear from today's interview? You've spoken about so much today, but if there was just one thing that you hope people take away, what would it be? Um, listen to the gut. Listen to your gut no matter what. Um, and this goes for going to someone's clinic, going, getting some information, doing something with your horse. Just listen to what feels right. Because I think everyone's got this innate intuition. And yeah, things get, hopefully people don't take this the wrong way. Things are hard and difficult for a reason. You've got to learn from it. But having that intu- intuition where it feels, if it feels really wrong and abrasive, um, it sometimes isn't right. Um, listen to that gut feeling about anything because we've all got the innate ability to do that. Um, I, I know when, yeah, sometimes you need to work through things. That's what I don't want people to misunderstand about this, but there's a situation, there's, there's certain times where things just don't feel right. Yeah. And listen to that. 
um, and whether you're at a clinic and someone's telling you to do this or that, it doesn't feel right to you with you or, or how you work with your horse because that's unique in itself. You and your horse are unique um, in your relationship. So listen to how what you know, listen to yourself and your gut. I think that's really important. Yeah, so important. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and get mindful, man. The, the, the benefits of getting mindful are, are huge. Uh, mindful and present that's where happiness lies it doesn't happen with the materialism it doesn't happen with the goals it happens right now because um yeah it's it's being mindful and and grateful for now with your horse with your life yeah that's that's one thing getting mindful and present best thing ever Mm. yeah there's um it sounds terrible now but I was, I was on the other extreme when I had a small business mm-hmm. and my daughter was quite young um, and it should have been some of the best times like in my life. Like sh- I think sh- I can't really, because I was so involved in the business, like I was providing for the family and, and concentrating on this and, and churning out work. Mm-hmm. I was back at the workshop, even though I was at home, I was still big hours, but I still was concentrating so much of work. I can't remember my daughter from, from the age of, two weeks old to four year old wow yeah so that's a wake-up call if any so now i try to just love it and i do it's the relationship and the connection with son and daughter my son and my daughter because mm. you can miss so imagine that okay if you don't have vision with your horses if you're constantly thinking down the track oh when i'm going to get my i don't know your, your prelim test done for the first time or whatever and not enjoying that experience right now, not feeling the breeze on your face, the sun, sun on your back. Yeah. Not, not enjoying that smell of that horse. That's, um, that's where the happiness lies. It doesn't happen down at that dressage test or whatever. It happens right then and now connecting. Yeah. So I was only actually talking to someone the other day about that smelling of your horse's neck, like burying your face in their neck and just sniffing. And I think us horse people... You know, like other animals, you don't, you don't, well, I don't sniff my dogs, like, <laughs> but horses have this smell that's just, oh, it's just the best. And I think everyone should go home and, well, go to your horse and sniff your horse and just be grateful that they're yeah. in your lives and that you get to do that because they're just amazing creatures. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that gets you in the present. Yes, it does. Because, it, yeah. yeah, it taps into those senses. I tried actually there was a great article in Horse Deals magazine recently, and they actually had a mindfulness article in there. That's cool. And it was really cool. And uh, I try to do a lot of the activities in that and be mindful when you're cleaning your stables. Be mindful. And when I say mindful, concentrate on how that rate picks up. Concentrate on how you move your body, how you're breathing. Yeah. Because um, I'm a very routine sort of guy. Um, that's my start of my day is my stables I do in the morning like I start early at five and and that's that's gets me in good stead I try to be mindful not every day successful at yeah. being mindful at that because sometimes you know life happens but redirecting that thought back to that stable cleaning flowing with it being and then then enjoying that horse over there for a second yeah or you know stopping you know to pat a horse that you're you know you're trying to connect with and enjoying that then because it's so easy to get off on the 
get the stables over and done with, get the horses fed, get the first horse started. Yeah. Or, you know, it's just so easy to look ahead all the time. Mm, yeah. And you're just going through the motions, waiting for the next thing. Like, I've got to get that done, got to get that oh. done. Like, just stop and enjoy what's happening and let it unfold. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that's um, that's one thing I, I hope people can take away. Yeah, that that being mindful, trusting the gut. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure people are going to get so much out of today's interview. So thank okay. you so much for coming on. And before we wrap up, can you tell us where our listeners can find out more about you? Um, just on my, on oh, I've. Haven't been on Instagram all that long, so my Instagram isn't used. But I put everything from my Facebook on Instagram, so you can find me on my Facebook. So Daily Equine, or just look up my personal Kim Daily, um, and on Instagram or Facebook. Um, I'm on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm actually my TikTok account's got a reasonable amount of following. I love TikTok. Oh really? Yeah, it's, it's so light. I've got some funny ones on there too. So. Um, TikTok's nice and light. Um, yeah, and I like the community on TikTok, but yeah, the fa- Facebook one, yeah, I'm always on there. And I try to throw stuff on there that might help people um, inspire a, a perspective or an idea, or mm-hmm. um, try to keep in mind. But um, if and, and if anyone wants to know anything like that, I like people sending me. Oh, I've got a problem with this, and I'll try to have a horse there that I can do a little demo or a little bit of an idea that could help people I love when people comment so that so yeah. yeah awesome I think that's how I found you on Instagram and I was watching you and I was like this guy is like the horsemanship world's best kept secret like oh. how do they not know about him so oh, no. <laughs> oh that's a bit bit flattering <laughs> so thank you so much for being on the podcast it's been amazing oh, We've been speaking for a while, so people are going to get a lot out of today. Um, oh, privileged to be here, mate. I, I've really, uh, I look forward to doing it, and um, it's been an absolute honour to actually be able to get my information out there. And, and I really, I, I truly thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that. Um, it's yeah, what you're doing is really cool, mate. Don't underestimate what you do, and um, with your podcast and and what you do, trying to get great information out there. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Horsemanship Breakthroughs podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe so you get notified every time a new episode is released. And if you've learned even just one small thing from today's show, I would really appreciate if you could leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions from today's show, suggestions for future episodes, or just want to reach out and say hi, I would love to connect with you on Instagram at Amalia underscore horses. Remember to also register for my free connection and communication mini course at amaliadempsey.com.